is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me, what a day, glorious day that will be, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day, glorious day that will be. ladies are going to come in just a moment, but uh, before they do, let me just uh, let you know again that Brother Moon's going to be with us, and he's going to be preaching for us in just a moment, and boy, I hope you enjoyed that message, and I hope you, come on up ladies, I hope you uh, certainly opened your heart this morning, what a powerful message it was. I got home and I got to thinking about that message a little bit, and I thought, you know, there was really nothing that was that deep about that message, nothing super deep, it wasn't like something that you know, that you had to be a rocket scientist to understand. But boy, I'll tell you what, it was delivered very powerfully. And the Lord certainly took those basic fundamental truths and just, I mean, just drilled them deep into my heart. And boy, I'll tell you what, I'm excited about tonight, looking forward to what the Lord has laid on Brother Moon's heart. And I trust that you are excited and looking forward to it as well. Let's enjoy the Lord tonight. One of the things I've often said to my uh, kids is, one of my goals for my children, I don't know that I told them all the time this, but I certainly would tell other people, they'd say, what's some of the goals you have for your kids? I said, my goal is that my kids enjoy the Lord. So I want them to enjoy the Lord. I just want them to enjoy the Lord. If they enjoy the Lord, they'll enjoy the things of the Lord, like church and the music and living for God and doing the right things. I want them to enjoy God. I want them to enjoy the Lord. And boy, I tell you what, I think we got a group on stage that enjoy the Lord. So let's let them sing. And then as soon as they're done, brother, why don't you make your way up here?
Shawnee, uh, I lead the music stuff, and sometimes I'll go up and I'll say, Preachers, are if we just have them sing that one one more time. Amen. And uh, as an 18-year-old boy in a little Southern Baptist church down in Tennessee, I walked out of that church on Sunday morning, got on my knees, and got saved. Amen. That's 41 and a half years ago, and I've never gotten over it. And to think that Jesus would do it for me. If I'd been the only one alive, Jesus would have gone to Calvary for me. Boy, what a great song. Do y'all mind saying it again? Okay, good. We'll just cut some off the message. Well, that's probably not true, but it sounded good anyway.
Thank you, boy. Amen. Well, I think they turned me on. Right. Man, that was good. Thank you so much. By the way, I don't know if you folks understand this, but you've got something good here. You just see you're here all the time. So when you're used to when you're around something all the time, you lose what it really is if you're not careful. It, it just becomes well. That's what we always have. Well, when you ain't never had it before and you see it, it's amazing. And when you had it but didn't have it and then had it again, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain that. But y'all have some great music, brother Josh. Great job. So proud of you. You do a great job. Love the Lord. We love you and thank God for you. Fabulous music today. You know how many churches would, pastors would give their right arm preacher to have what you've had today in the way of music? They would. Y'all have a fabulous uh, a music program here. And all of you who participate. Brother Josh can't do it by himself. It's all you folks who do it with him and work together. Make it fabulous. That song was just great. Man, I appreciate it so much. Thank you, pianist. And uh, sorry about Josh messing you up this morning. I had to. Good job, except for this morning. And uh, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't nailed you yet today, and I thought I'd just throw it in there extra. And uh, but man, what a great thing! And to see, if you look around, let me show you something. If you're under the age of thirty, would you stand? I'll sit down. <laughs> yeah, preacher. He didn't say double thirty. Right. Now I want you to look at this. Look around this room. You have any churches this size? have this many folks that young in the church. It don't happen. You know where the young people are going? Away from the church. And look at them. Homegrown. Most of them are all homegrown. They haven't shipped in. They're homegrown. And if you understand, pastor, you understand what I'm talking about. How many pastors would give anything just to keep their own kids that grew up here? Because they find something else. Of course, they get married and move away. I understand all that. Totally understand. That happened. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, God's doing something special here. You got something special going, and uh, it doesn't happen per chance. It happens on purpose and a lot of work. Preacher, sure love you and thank you. And boy, I tell you, you got a lot to, to, to um, a lot to be thankful for. And God has truly been good. Well, let me give you. I want to give you a thought. And I, I seriously, I probably won't be long tonight. <clears throat> it hurts me that you doubt me like that. <laughs> but if you have your Bible. Now that you've torn me down. Uh, Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. If you physically are able, would you stand with me? If you're not, just remain seated. We appreciate so much you being here tonight. Thank God for you. What a blessing it is to see you tonight. I'm honored that you came back personally. I know you came back for preacher so he wouldn't fuss at you, but I'm still honored. Verse 1 says, The former treaties have I... Acts chapter 1. Did I say that? Okay. Okay, Acts chapter 1. The former treaties have I made to the old Theophilus of all the, that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom else so he, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. In other words, he really did rise again. Amen? Amen. There was proof. I won't go there much longer, but I'll move on. All right. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you shall receive of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. By the way, I'm not going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what term you want to use, baptized, filled, etc., etc., I just know this, we need the Holy Spirit's power. And I will talk about that in just a few moments. Verse 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And let's pray. Father, help us tonight. Please, this is such a needy message. And Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray, I beg you, I beg you, please help me have clarity of mind. Control my mind and my heart. Help me to say what is most helpful for this dear church. You know 
uh, I, I hold this church and this pastor in high regards and high respect. Just as I had all these young people to stand a while ago. Well, there's the future of, of our movement. Lord, if all the churches would like this, it'd be left in good hands. Oh, God, help us. Don't let us lose our young folk. Oh, God, do something tonight in our heart and our life. Please, please. You know the subject is a very important one, and I sure wouldn't want to mess it up. So help me, I pray. Bless these dear folks. Please meet their needs. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I went on the Internet recently, and... uh, I printed off, of course, I don't have a colored printer where I, that I was printing from, but 29 surreal places in America is what it's called to visit before you die, sort of put on your bucket list. I've only been to two of them, honestly. Some of them, as I looked at them in color on the Internet, just unbelievable, like Mendenhall Glacier Caves in Alaska, just unbelievable when you look at them. Antelope Canyon in Arizona, any of you ever been there? I've never been there, but, boy, the pictures are absolutely stunning. I thought, man, that'd be great to go to. It's located near Page, Arizona, and so forth. And uh, there's also, it's commonly referred to as, uh, one part of it is, is the crack, and the other is the corkscrew. And it's just, you look at the pictures, it's unbelievable. And then out in Oregon, Oni, uh, Oni Unta Gorge, I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Water goes through at the, uh, the uh, uh, Columbia River Gorge. It's where it's at. When you look at it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, there, there's a lot of aquatic and woodland plants and so forth there, and ferns and moss. And you know, the, the writing says it makes it look like a fairy tale, and people go through it. And then the tulip fields out in Washington. I, I think, boy, that I can't. The pictures I took, of course, is not in color, but the yellow and the uh, and the and the uh, red and and so forth, and all the different color tulips, just fabulous. Reminds me of being in New Holland, Michigan. Uh, in the spring of the year, they have a, that tulip festival there. By the way, if you've ever been to New Holland, there's no trash on the sidewalks. In Portland, we have folks where our church is, walk over to McDonald's and walk by and, and throw the stuff down. In fact, uh, two Saturdays ago, I was getting to go sewing, me and my sewing partner was leaving to go sewing on Saturday morning after the meeting and stuff. And this guy's walking down the road and he's got a big box in his arm and it's, it's raining outside and he's got a box in his arm and it looks like a bottle about to come out and he's struggling, he stops if, if you've ever been to Shawnee, you that's been there, you know, you got the wall. Well, he went right past the turn-in, if you were coming from the way, you have to come the one way. And he stopped and he put the down on the fence, on that fence, on that block, fence, a brick fence. He put it down and he's standing there and I stopped and I, I started leaving. I backed it and I said, sir, you having a hard time there? He goes, yeah. And I said, where do you live? And he said, just around the corner on Xavier Street. And I said, would you like a ride? And he said, yeah. And so he started toward I said, well, come, we'll put it in my trunk. I opened the trunk. He come to put it in my trunk. As he turned around, he had a, it was, it, he'd gotten these groceries from somebody and somewhere. I don't know for sure where he got them at. <clears throat> but one of them was a peanut butter jar, but, uh, thing, but it was in a, instead of being in a, a, a jar, it was just in a, a thing with a lid on, you know, where you push it down, like a plastic uh, paper, I mean, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of them, uh, Tupperware bowl type thing, square one. And it fell and hit the ground. And I said, oh, you dropped that. He goes, that's all right, I'll just leave it. And I thought, no, you won't. It's right in our driveway. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I'm thinking it. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Go back and pick it. I said, okay, put the, I said, go back and get that. I went back and got it. And I said, here, here, take this. Right around that corner, there's a garbage can. Put it in that garbage can. You're going to leave it. Laying. Oh, I'll just leave it. You'll just leave it. Your garbage right here in our driveway, and you're going to leave it. Well, that's the Portland mentality sometimes. They just leave it. So they're walking out there eating their hamburger. You've seen them, Brad, you and Joshua. They'll just throw it down. <laughs> I wasn't going there, but I'm glad you did because I wanted to mention that. You think that's bad. You should have seen his dorm room. I would have given him demerits, but he got sent home the first week of school. For over, over demeriting, so I didn't do it. I was gracious. I loved his dad, and I was trying to honor his dad, so I didn't do it. Took him aside and said, son, you got to at least hang something up. <laughs> Find something. Reminds me of a young man my son was in school with in college. He had the bottom bunk. My son had the top bunk. 
He had to be out in the mornings. We didn't have this, but he had to be out mornings for devotions. And they, the, the dorm soups came and checked the dorms. They checked his dorm and went on away and left. He was in there. He'd done his laundry and his clothes were all in his bed and he was under the, under the covers, under the laundry, and you couldn't even tell he was in there. That's sort of what, well, you know it, brother. But you go to, you go to Holland, Michigan, and there's no trash. And they even, it's, it's interesting if you've ever been there, they put up, they got those, the, the, the sidewalks are lined with these tulips. And they put steel bars in the ground. So if you open your door to hit the tulips, you'll smash your door on the steel bars. And you're not going to open your door. Not if you've got enough sense to get out of the rain, you won't open your door. They have to because somebody went through, I guess, and opened the door and just mowed them down with their door. But they're beautiful. There's no trash. One of the cleanest towns I've ever seen in my life. Well, out in Washington, they got fields of these tulips. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And then I go to, and I don't have time to read all of it, uh, this national park in Florida, just unbelievable. And uh, it's, all, it's off, the, off the coastline there, uh, past Key West. And you go out there and you have to go by boat or by, by plane. Uh, you know, the boat they are, uh, plane that lands in the water. And then Zion National Park in Utah, unbelievable, just unbelievable. A 146,000-acre park, and it's got all kind of things in it. It's got a 15-mile long by half-mile deep canyon, 15 miles long, 15 miles. Unbelievable. And some of the beauty of it is just, un it's breathtaking. And a lot of these are breathtaking when you look at them. Just breathtaking on the Internet when you got color. Watching the Glen State Park in New York, unbelievable. Yosemite Valley, California. Some of you have probably been there. And a lot of the different things that are like the Half Dome and the El Capitan and so forth. Just unbelievable. And then the natural pool of rainbow-like colors. And that, that's fabulous. Any of you ever seen it? All right. I've seen it on the Internet only. The haiku stairs of... Uh, Oahu, Hawaii. But you're not supposed to go on what people do anyway. And it's called the stairway to heaven, they call it. You're not supposed to trespass, but people do it. Then, uh, the Whitaker Point in Arkansas kind of goes out and goes, that goes in the floor. Just, some of these are just, they're, it's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, the park there outside of Austin, Texas, a natural pool. Unbelievable. The uh, Horseshoe Bend, Arizona, and the, uh, the, how the river comes around, the Colorado River. And, and when you look at it from your up top, it's just like a horseshoe where it's been cut out. And the northern lights of Alaska, some of you have probably seen those, haven't you? Any of you ever been to Alaska and seen those? You have? Yeah, here we go. Here's a few. It's beautiful, isn't it? And I've, I've never seen it. I don't know. Then, uh, just, and I could go on. There's, there's a, you know, Smoky Mountains. I've been there. That's pretty fabulous, especially depends on what time of year you're looking at it. Nash, uh, Niagara Falls, New York, a lot of us have probably been there. Just Niagara Falls, unbelievable. Uh, the Wave in Arizona, unbelievable. It's located in uh, uh, the, uh, the Vermilion Cliffs and so forth, the Arizona-Utah border. Sequoia National Park, just unbelievable. Some of you have been there before, I'm sure. Thor's Well in Oregon. It actually, when the tide comes in, an hour... Uh, before high tide, the water comes in and goes down an hour after the high tide. And uh, yet stay away from it. But after that, the water doesn't come into it. It's just like a big hole in the ground. But uh, just, just unbelievable. And all these, now I won't read them all, but all of, for sake of time. But all of them. I've been to two of, the one, two of them. And, and, and boy, I bet it'd be, it'd be fabulous to be able to go to all of them. Let me just say this. I believe they're real. I believe these are real. I really do. They're real places in America. But I've never experienced them. Not one of them. Well, that's not true. I've experienced Smoky Mountains and Niagara Falls. I've never experienced the rest of them. It doesn't mean I don't believe they're real. I do believe they're real. I believe it's real places. I mean, you just told me about the, the light. I mean, you didn't tell me about it. You said you went there. So I know they're real. But to know something real and experience is two different things entirely. Now, here's the difference. Here's what I want to see tonight. I know that the power of the Holy Spirit is real. Amen. You know why I know? Because Jesus said it was. Amen. And the Word of God's full. And they were filled with power. And they did great works and great exploits because they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But in most churches today, you see none of that. Even though it's real, it's never experienced. 
It's sort of like if America went into a drought like it did uh, when the man of God prayed and it rained out on the earth for three years and six months. Can you imagine how dry the ground got? I remember when, we had no, when they had no rain just in the summertime of time or two when it's been a drought. And down, I watched them plowing fields, trying to plow fields down in Georgia. Man, it was unbelievable. And, the, and, and so it's the dry. The ground gets hard, cracks open. You think about it. If there was no rain for three and a half years in America, I mean, when we get low in water, nobody's allowed to wash their car. Nobody's allowed to do this and that and other. But you imagine three and a half years, there'd be hard. Streams would dry up. Creeks would dry up. Rivers even would dry up some would if there was no water. Imagine that. The problem is, that's the way America is with the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches today. The Holy Spirit power is dried up in most churches. They never see anything happen. No one ever gets saved. No one ever gets baptized. No lives are ever touched. Nobody's ever changed. Churches are shutting down all over the place. And it's because eventually all you got left is a few elderly people. And they're trying to hold it together. And everybody else has fled. Young couples like I'm looking at in here tonight, gone. Young people like we had to stay in this uh, slew of young people tonight, gone. And the churches are drying up. They really are. Because there's no power. <coughs> Nothing. No power. Just amazing. But to know about the Holy Spirit's one thing. To experience the Holy Spirit power in my life is a whole different thing. But we're barren, we're fruitless, we're powerless Christians, yet Jesus promised to give us the power from on high. And he said to those men and ladies, you wait here. The promise is coming. By the way, God never made a promise He doesn't keep. God never makes a promise He doesn't keep. And He said, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come on. By the way, the Holy Ghost it resides inside of every born-again, blood-washed child of the King. Every one of them. Everybody who says yes to Jesus, immediately they're baptized in the family of God. The Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell within them and the Holy Spirit resides within them 24-7, 365, 366 on leap year. But yet you wouldn't know it by their lifestyle. I look at the ministry of Pentecost and what God did. That was real. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 6, and 37 and 41. Power was there. I look at the ministry of Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. The power of God was there. I look at the ministry of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. The power of God was there. I look at the ministry of Philip in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. The power of God was there. Yet all over America, we're experiencing a real drought of the power of the Holy Spirit. If we were going through a drought, the ground was cracked, parched, creeks dried up, water holes were dry, trees died, grass died, animals were dying of thirst, we'd fall on our face before Almighty God and say, Dear God, what is it that's happening? Is it a sin of the nation? Is it a national, national sin? Is it my personal sin? God, what's going on? We would pray, we would cry, we would fast. We'd search our hearts and make sure we had no hidden, unconfessed sin. We'd say, God, you've got to do something. We're going to starve if you don't. But we, don't, we would value that water so much. But yet we don't value the power of the Holy Spirit the same way. It's just a byword. It's just a word out of Christian vernacular that we don't even use much. And if we do, it's just in a passing. This country is in a spiritual drought. And it's happening everywhere. You'll find yourself, as I do sometimes, trying to do the work of the harvest without the power of the Lord of the harvest on that work that I'm doing in the harvest. I depend so much on my abilities, my own abilities to the Holy Spirit's ability to empower me for the work that He's called me to do. Therefore, I get frustrated, disappointed, discouraged. 
and sometimes want to quit because I'm trying to do my best and nothing seems to happen. What's the problem? No power. A few years ago, we had a hurricane in Louisville. You don't have hurricanes in Louisville. We do. Were you there when we had the hurricane winds? Brad was. He can tell you I'm telling the truth. They said the winds would be above us. Some of you may have read it, but somehow or another the pressure pushed it down. We left church, started on our way home. I go up uh, a 64. I have to go up a hill, a pretty good hill to go up toward, uh, toward my house. And from back when I crossed the Ohio River, you could see. It looked like a fog. It looked like a windstorm. I mean, a, 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 dirt, a dust storm was coming. And like, what is that? You drove into it, and it was just dust. I went one way home. Some of my kids went the other way. They couldn't even get home. Trees were down. Trees started going. We got there. Electricity went off. We had no electricity. Power lines were down all over the place. Trees were down on power lines. We went to church on Sunday night. We had no... The dorms where the boys' dorms was out for like a day or so. The girls, was, the girls' dorm in the college over there was the only place that had electricity. I didn't have any. pastor didn't have any. A lot of people in our church had no electricity. I'm sitting thinking, okay, how long does anything I got in the freezer going to last? Well, it didn't last long. But I had no way to cook it until I thought, oh, yeah, I got a grill, and it's got propane in it. And the propane, I actually have propane. And I went out there with those little side grills. I started cooking the meat and stuff, anything I could find for a meal. And we went to the college, took big uh, coolers and filled it with ice and took all of our stuff out and put it in the ice to keep it colder, the cooler, so it would thaw, wouldn't thaw as quickly. And then we started eating off of whatever it was. All right, this is thawed tonight. This is what we're having for supper. The only good part about it was, I'll never forget, you went home, and when the sun went down, here's what it sounded like. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Nothing. Just as quiet as a church mouse. That was the good part. Bad part was I wanted to see the football game on Monday night. And the guy across the street from me keeps his garage door open most of the time. Has a TV out there. And he had a power. He had a generator. And if I could have got binoculars, I could have watched the game because he was watching it. But I didn't want him to think I was spying on him, so I did not do it. Nor did I go over there. I don't know him as well as I do some people. Just quiet. There was no power. Unless you had a gasoline power generator running to run something, you had nothing. You could have the best air conditioning unit in the world, but it didn't work. You could have the best fans in the world. None of them worked because there was no power. We got some of the best churches in America, some of the best church, excuse me, buildings. And we're building some of the best ones and remodeling some. And do a lick of good if you have no power. Amen. What good does it have a wonderful edifice but not have the power of God inside the edifice? Inside the people who are in the edifice. That wind brought everything down. I went out to college and there were several trees down. We could pay somebody hundreds of dollars to do it, but I've cut wood most of my life, so they got me a chainsaw. And uh, I've been wanting to do this for years. I've been wanting to know what it's like to cut a guy's arm off. Brad, would you come volunteer? <laughs> and, uh, well, Brad, are you going to volunteer or not? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to recruit you. So we got a. We had a chainsaw. This is a little bit. It was bigger than this one. And I was cutting too. We had some trees. I'm going to be careful. I don't get this on anything. We had some big trees that had fallen. Mike Jones was on staff at the time, a guy named Mike Jones, and he and I were out there. And we got a chainsaw. I'm not going to start this up. And we're out there, we're cutting trees. And one of us, Mike's not here, so I guess it was him. <laughs> you don't want, if you've ever cut, how many of you, ever, how many of you use these a lot? How many of you use these guys? What happens if you hit the dirt? Dirt. Of all things, will dull your blade so quick. One of us hit the dirt. I'm out there and we're going through a tree. And I'm going, and I'm like, but now I'm almost standing on it. And the sad part was, I noticed my, it was, I thought, what is wrong with this dumb thing? It won't even go through. What? This is hard wood. And then it started going like this, crooked. 
And he cut with a dull chainsaw. You know how it goes crooked on you? It went crooked. And I, I mean, I'm standing on that thing there. I mean, I'm like, oh, man, what is wrong? I'm sweating profusely. I had to, man, I was exhausted. I had to stop because it was so hard to, to uh, I guess it matters which way. I have a chainsaw at home. I don't ever use it, but I'm teasing, I do actually. But that chainsaw was dull. And I was using every bit of power I could to get it through. I looked at Mike and said, Mike, this chainsaw is dull. Can you take the blade off and take it down there to hardware and get it sharpened? And he said, sure, I will, Brother Lou. We took the chain off. He took it. I went inside, went in my office, had a recliner in there, kicked through. I'm serious. I did. I said, I, Mike, I got to go, 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 go lay down for a minute. I'm exhausted. Several years ago, I had a heart attack, and I don't have the stamina I used to have. And so I went in there. By the way, I can smell that chainsaw oil. It's really not what I wanted for Christmas, uh, for uh, church, but our, I did get a chainsaw for Christmas, though, by the way. What made me think of that, but I didn't. But old, old Mike and I are out there, and he takes and he goes and he gets that thing sharpened. He comes back, and this is the truth. I picked that chainsaw up. I said, well, let's see how it's going to work. I picked it up. I got that thing, and I put it on top of that big old log, and I went, and it started. The weight is a big chainsaw. The weight of the chainsaw was pulling it through. And I'm like, where was this at a while ago? When I had thinking exhaust, I had to go lay down. I was so tired. Sweat, profuse of sweat. I'm sitting there. All I'm doing is holding it, just letting the weight of the chainsaw through. Boom. That's pretty nice. Let's do it again. The weight of the chainsaw with that sharp blade did it without me having to do anything hardly. All I had to do was hold it. You know why? Because the blade was sharp. But when I had a dull blade, I could not get it to go through. And finally when I got it through with putting all the weight I could on it and almost burning my way through, it went crooked anyway. You know why? Because the blade was dull. I'm afraid in our Christian lives we have a problem. It's called a dull blade. You're trying to do the work that God's called you to do. You're trying to teach that Sunday school class and you're frustrated because nothing happens when you teach it. You're trying to work on a bus route and fill a bus route with boys and girls to bring them to church on Sunday afternoon, but it's like I'm beating my head against the wall. I go out there and I go out and I knock on doors and people tell me they'll come and people tell me they'll come and I have the biggest uh, a, a promotion in the world. I mean, we got everything. We're giving them the Taj Mahal. Why won't you come? And you say, I'm, I'm doing it, Brother Moon. I, I'm trying to do the work, and, but nothing's happening when I do the work. There's a reason. Your chain's dull. Oh, come on, go through. Good night, that's hard. I quit. I'm not going to cut these wood with it like it. And that's what I said. You got to sharpen that blade. I can't do anymore. I physically can't do anymore. I'm done. Until I'm, I'm breathing like this. Mike, you got to sharpen that blade. Get it sharp. I can't do it. When I got that blade sharpened, there's no more me picking this one up. A little bit heavier than this one. In our Christian life, that's the way we are. That's why a lot of you are quitting. You've quit the Sunday school class. You've quit this. You've quit that. And you know why? Because you said, it's, it, it just doesn't work. I'm frustrated. I'm bothered by it. And the problem is, there's so little power that nothing seems to happen. But yet he said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I want to ask you a question. Is the power of God less powerful today than it was the day Jesus gave it? Is the power of God, is God a respecter of persons? Would he give them power that he wouldn't give us? Would he do for them things he wouldn't do for us? My Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Then why? He said, if I go away, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. What did he do with the Father? He sent another. 
Exactly like Him called the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and He dwells within every believer. And I'm, ladies and gentlemen, you hear me and hear me well. Inside of you right now as a born-again Christian, you have the God of the universe living inside of you. The Spirit of God is just as much God as Jesus is God and just as much God as God is God. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit has not been diminished. It's only been tempered and held back by the people who have it. I grab that chainsaw and start through. I can either do one or two things. I can barely pull the, 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 the um, trigger on it and it will go. I can go. If I'm going to cut wood, I don't want it. I want it. I don't want to stand there all day and cut. I want it to go through. The Holy Spirit's power has not been diminished by God. The Holy Spirit's power has been diminished by the people who have it available and ready to be used, but they're not using what they have. And we're sitting around frustrated. We're sitting around disappointed and, and discouraged. Why? Because the power of God's not there. And, but it is there. It's available. He said, but ye shall receive power, a promise from Almighty God. Amen. Then why don't we have it? It's a good question. How can I get that power that's so available? Yeah. Wait a minute. You don't have to go get it. You already got it. It's called unleash the power. See the advertising? Unleash the beast. Unleash the power inside of you. Well, I can do one of two things. I can just ignore it or I can do something about it. There's a drought. And what we need is to thirst for the water of the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, how am I going to get it? Acts chapter 1, he says this, but you shall receive power. If you'll wait, you can receive power. You know what he's saying? i got to get serious about having this power in my life. How much do you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want it enough to yield? Do you want it enough to surrender your will to His will? Do you want it enough to humble yourself in His sight? Do you want enough to confess sin that's holding back? I said a while ago, if we were having a drought, we'd be saying, God, is there unconfessed sin in my life that's keeping this from coming? But yet, we don't do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. We become satisfied with status quo. And that won't work in God's business. There's too many people to reach. There's too much to do for us to sit around with status quo. Why don't we begin to beg God and say, God, I am serious about this. I want your power evident in my life. I'm tired of nothing happening. I'm tired of whoa, 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 whoa. I want whoa, whoa. But we don't want it bad enough to do anything about it. Look, I said, I don't want to cut trees like this. I want something better. But we're satisfied with whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, man, it won't go through because it's going through crooked anyway. And we settle with that instead of saying, God, give me that power that's available. But I've got to be serious. Sincerity. Verse 24. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knoweth the hearts of all men, shall, shall show of these two men which thou hast chosen. Talking about replacing Judas. They went to God and prayed and begged God. They got serious about replacing. God, not our will, but your will. And if we want God's power, it's going to be His will, not our will. And they... These all continued one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. They continued in prayer. They got serious about praying and begging God to do something real in their life. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you got real and got serious and got sincere about God doing something real in your life and using you as a Christian to reach other Christians? You'd be surprised how many people we could win to Christ if we just begged God to help us do it. I went to the hospital. I do hospital visits. I went to the hospital hill that day. And they told me that one of our ladies, she did, in fact, she doesn't even come very often. They'd call and said her dad was in the hospital and her grandmother's in the hospital. Same hospital. And it's way out of the, off the beaten path down at Audubon, down hospital, down off Papa Level Road, and you've got to go way down there. So I'd gone down and seen them. And then I got news that the grandmother had gotten out, and they were both real sick. And so I went to make a visit at Jewish hospital and 
and Norton's, and I park in one parking lot, and they're across the street from each other, and I went to both of them, large hospitals, and, and then I came back out, and I got in my car, and I thought, man, do I have time to go down to Audubon? I mean, the, the, guy, the guy doesn't come to our church anyway. And not only that, Lord, now I'm, I'm arguing with God. Not only that, Lord, his daughter doesn't come very much. And then in my mind came this thought, yeah, but maybe she'd come more if you'd go visit her dad. And I thought, okay, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go. Now I'd pray, dear God, help me win folks to you. Give me power. I drove out of the parking lot, thought nothing else about it, drove down there, walked in. He was sitting in a chair, and another man was with him. Had an IV going. He said, I was fixing to leave, but they told me I had to have this one more IV before I go. It was a bag of antibiotics. And he said, when I get over that, I'm leaving. I said, well, then you're going to be here for a minute, huh? And he said, yeah, until that bag's pretty full, so it's going to be a little while. I said, good, I want to share something with you. I said, if you die today, his name was Donnie. I said, Donnie, if you die today, you know if you go to heaven. He said, well, I think so. I used to go to the Catholic church. I said, well, let me, let me do this. Let me share with you what's on this track. He said, okay. And I went to the plan of salvation with him. When I got in, I said, Donnie, you ever done that? And he said, no, I've never done that. I said, according to the Bible, where would you go? He said, well, I'd go to hell. I said, you don't have to go there, do you? And he said, no. And I said, you don't have to go there. You can go to heaven. And he bowed his head and asked Jesus to save him in that room. I almost didn't go. But I'd prayed, dear God, guide me. Today, guide me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Help me find somebody that needs Jesus. Years ago, I've told this four years ago, one of the most unusual ones I had is I went to, I, I was in, in the shower. It's a good place to pray. I said, dear God, today as I cleanse my body, you cleanse my life and my heart and my mind. Give me a clean mind and a clean body for you, God. Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. God, today I'm going so winning. Would you lead me across the path of somebody who needs Jesus? Somebody. And give me the power. Oh, God, give me the power and the courage and the boldness to give them the gospel. Please, God, I beg you, do that, please. Got out of the shower, got dressed, went to church, so in a meeting, left there. Brother Lonnie and I, he said, can you go with me today? And I said, yeah. He said, I need to go make a hospital visit over at Suburban, way out on the East End. And I said, okay, and we went over there. And we walked in, and if you, Brother Lonnie Manning, when I would go somewhere with him, I left my tracks in my other coat. But when you go somewhere with him, you almost have to beat him to the punch because he'll pass out a track before you can do it. So I, I, the, we got on the elevator leaving. He'd witnessed to the lady next in the room with the lady we went to see. And we're coming down the elevator, and there's a, a black lady in the elevator. And I looked over her, and I said, how you doing? She said, fine. I said, let me give you something to read. I beat him. <laughs> I was pretty proud. You didn't get to give it first. I did. And I gave her the track. Don't you listen to this. We came down the bottom, floor, first floor. She got off first. And I'm falling. It was like something inside of me said, Ricky, you didn't witness to her. I said, but I, I thought, but I gave her a try. You didn't witness to her. And I said, ma'am, ma'am, hold up a minute. Ma'am, let me ask you a question. Uh, wh where are you going down here? She said, I'm going outside to take a smoke. I'm going out here to smoke a cigarette. And I said, do you mind if I go with you and share something with you? She said, no, that's fine. And I went out there and she lit up and I lit up and we stand there. <laughs> Some way I can get your attention. Some of you said, no, she never, she had the cigarette in her hand and never lit it. I said, ma'am, do you know for sure heaven's your home? That little track tells you how you know. And she goes, honestly, I don't. I said, would you give me the privilege of sharing that with you? And she said, yes. And I went to the plan with her. She bowed her head and said, dear Jesus, save me. Give me eternal life. And she looked at me and said, thank you for telling me that. And I said, oh, thank you for letting me share that with you. She said, you know, my baby was born yesterday. And they brought my little baby to me after they'd done some things to it. It was just me and the, my baby in the room. And I was holding her next to me like you're holding that one. And she said, and I looked at little baby. And I said, Lord, if this precious little baby, and she called the name of the baby. I don't remember the name was to die right now. He'd go to heaven. But Lord, if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. God, I wish, some, I, wish I knew I could go to heaven like she's going to go to heaven if she died. You think God was listening? 
I'm in the shower. Dear God, lead me across the path of somebody that needs Jesus. Just somebody, Lord. And give me the power to witness to them. And the courage and the boldness. I think that was a divine appointment from God Almighty. And God says, watch this, Ricky. What's God said to you? I, don't get me wrong. I never heard a verbal voice. I could go on and on with stories like that. You know why? Because our God's real. Amen. And he's powerful. And he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm not talking about a wildfire. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about God using you and doing what you couldn't. I'm talking about sharpening your blade that when you try to go out and do the work, all at once the work's not like it used to be. And the reason why some of them are frustrated, the reason why some of us want to quit, the reason why some of us stop church is because this church stuff don't work for me. Oh, yes, it does! And you could enjoy it if you were doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit instead of doing it in your own power. And here we are trying to do it in our own power and it just don't work. Because you can't do God's work with your power. We're too weak. We're like the, song, the singers sang a while ago. A sinner. Just a sinner saved by grace is all we are. And he did it for me. God wants to use you. Young lady... God wants to use you. Young man, God wants to use you. Teenager, God wants to use you. Middle-aged adult, God wants to use you. Senior adult, God wants to use you. He's not done with you. You know how I know? You're still kicking and breathing. Amen. Well, I used to. What do you mean you used to? You still got the ability to tell somebody your tongue still work? Does your tongue still work? Now, you may be to the point where you're incapacitated in, in, in such a point you can't go out anywhere. And there's folks that right now from this church are homebound and they can't go anywhere now. I understand that. But we're not one of them. Why aren't we doing something? You know why? Because we don't have any power. Sincerity. How badly do you want it? Bad enough to give up your pet sin? Sincerity, and it's real simple, and supplication. They prayed, they prayed, they prayed. Acts one fourteen, Acts 2.42, Acts 4.23-33. They prayed, and the place where that was moved, shaken, things happened. Because when God's people really get serious about having His power and praying and seeking His face, God opens the windows of heaven and says, Watch this. I got back in the, in, in the van, with, uh, back in the Jeep, his brother Lonnie's driving a Jeep, and I got back in the Jeep with him, and I said, she got saved. It was so simple. It was like taking a saw after it had been sharpened and going, mm. but there have been times when I was out there, and it was like this. Would you like, no, I don't care about that. No. No, I don't care. No. I can't, I want, I want this. And I'm going, what, this don't work. Dear God, give me your power. Oh, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. God, I need you. I need you as much as I need the air I breathe. Oh, God, I need you. Please, Holy Spirit, empower me. You said, but you shall receive power. Where's that at, God? I want it. Please, I want to, I'm going to go soul winning in a few minutes. I'm going to witness somebody. I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm going to teach my Sunday school class. I'm going to try to help people. And I don't want, I want, mm. would you please do it, God? 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 And God sits back and says, Oh, yeah, I'll do it. There's not a person in this room that can't have the power of the Holy Spirit on his life. If he'll get sincere about it and start begging God in supplication. Prayer and supplication. Lives were touched. Is your blade sharp? God wants it to be. Or is it dull?
Are you dull spiritually? Are you shocked? Does God take and do some things and you just kind of go, wow. I can't believe God did that. Boy, we got a great God. Say, God's never done that for me. Don't tell on yourself. If God's never done it, it's not, not because God wasn't able and capable. It's because you didn't let God do it. And you hold it. You, you, you make the determination. He didn't say, okay, let's see, Peter, I'll give it to you. James, I'll give it to you, John. rest of you, tough stuff. You don't get it. It says, and I read again. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnessing me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the other uttermost parts of the earth. One or two people could not have gone to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It took all of them. So then why don't we have the power of God? Well, I'm a teenager. I don't need his power. Yes, you do. Look, you go in, you're in a world that's wicked, vile, and dirty that you're having to face every day. And the temptations are unbelievable. You know what you need? The power of God to overcome those temptations. It's not going to happen because you think you're smarter than everybody else. It's going to happen because Jesus does it through you in his power and his strength. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. God's power is available. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Not